Good morning, Pathway family. So glad you're able to join us here. And if you're visiting with us online, glad to have you as well. This morning is a very special morning for us at Pathway Community Church. We are having a celebration. We're having a baptism service. Now, you're not watching that baptism service right now. We're going to have a conversation of what baptism is. But those who are being baptized right now, uh, we're creating a video and you're going to see that uploaded on Tuesday for you to be able to celebrate with those people and give them encouragement after the fact. So if you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. And what we find here is an amazing description of what the meaning and, and the symbolism of baptism actually is. Romans chapter 6 verses 1 through 4. And if you do not know where the book of Romans is, in the beginning of your Bible, there is a table of contents. People work really hard to put it there, so don't be ashamed to use it. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And when you have it, one of the ways we like to show respect for God's word here at Pathways, we do like to stand for the reading of his word. So if you are able, willing, confident enough in whatever space you're in, would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Here's what it says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you that we have this incredible symbolic act within our faith journey that we're able to participate in that anchors our faith. We're able to look back on and say, this is the time where I stood publicly and said, yes, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, and I want to forever be known as one of your disciples. And so, Jesus, I pray that as we're talking about this this morning, that you would bless us, that you would give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that are open to you this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. You can have a seat if you're standing at home and get yourselves all comfortable. Uh, here's something really important to understand. Since the time of Christ, believers have been participating and practicing this thing called baptism. Sometimes there was great fanfare, huge parties and, and, and a lot of celebration taking place. And sometimes in the scriptures, we see that there are more intimate moments where it's maybe just a couple of people or maybe just a family unit that were participating in this. And so whatever the mechanism, whatever the, the appeal that you were having in this time, whether you're doing it in a celebratory way, whether you're doing it in a smaller, more intimate way, Regardless of the style, the visual and emotional appeal of this confessional act is at the very heart of who we are as followers of Christ. Baptism has significance for the individual believers, it has significance for the church, and it even has significance for non-believers. So as we talk about baptism, we need to understand that this is one of the key things that we're commanded to practice. And as faithful followers of Jesus, we want to be obedient to the things that he's asking of us. So, Let's talk about this. Baptism as an act of obedience. Uh, some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples were threefold uh, instructions. He says, make disciples of all nations. He says, baptize those who believe and teach them to obey all that he commanded. This is Matthew 28, 19 to 20. And so if for no other reason, we baptize because Jesus told us to. So it's an act of obedience. There was a television uh, news camera crew 
And they were down in southern Florida filming the widespread destruction of Hurricane Andrew. In one scene, amid the devastation and the debris, there was one house that remained standing on its foundation. All the other homes around it were devastated, but this one house stood standing on its foundation. And the owner was cleaning up the yard when the reporter approached them, and the reporter asked a very basic question. Sir, why is your house the only one still standing on the street? How did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? And so the man responded, and he says, well, I built this house myself. I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. And when the code called for two by six roof trusses, I used two by six roof trusses. I was told that the house built according to the code would withstand a hurricane. And so I built it that way, and it did. And I suppose that just nobody else around here followed the building code. You catch that? They followed the code. And in following the code, his home stood. There's this thing of obedience that we have as people that we're frequently asked to uh, walk into. And so whether it's building a home or, or any other things that we're doing, there's usually some kind of standards that we're asked to walk into in order to be able to reap kind of what we sow. Well, obedience is a characteristic of a follower of Jesus. In Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus said that we should teach new believers to observe everything I have commanded you. You catch that? So Jesus says, we are to go into all the world, right? That we're to make disciples, that we're to baptize people, and that we're to teach them to obey everything that he had commanded. So we take that seriously here at Pathway. And here's what that means. And it's, this is critical to the whole topic. It is impossible to obey the Great Commission and neglect baptism. You catch that? It is impossible to obey the Great Commission and neglect baptism baptism. It's an integral part of Jesus's final command to his disciples. And frankly, it's a bit surprising because Jesus doesn't say a whole lot about baptism throughout his earthly ministry. But he puts it right here in the context of making disciples and teaching them to observe his commandments. And so baptism is an act of obedience for the new believer, but also for the church. A church that doesn't baptize is not a faithful church. And so we baptize because we desire to obey Christ's command. Baptism, though, is not just a command from Jesus. We find the baptism as an opportunity to witness. New Testament church history seems to indicate, and it's very true, that, that baptism served as the initial profession of faith for early believers. Uh, Philip, one of Jesus' disciples, he preached Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch. You'll find that in Acts chapter 8. And in preaching it and just in explaining the Isaiah passage that he was reading, this Ethiopian eunuch says, look, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And so belief and baptism were always followed very, baptism always followed very closely to belief. And you read that in Acts chapter 8. When the Philippian jailer responded to the preaching of Paul and Silas, he and his believing members of his family were baptized in Acts chapter 16. The same is true of Lydia in Acts chapter 16, and Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, and the Corinthians in Acts chapter 18, and many others. For these believers, baptism was a witness, it was an outward expression of their new faith and new way of life. Now, here's something we need to understand about the history of our faith and the history of the church. In the early days, in the first century church, the early church is often what it's called, 
There is no such thing as a person that would call themselves a believer, a Christian, a person of the way, a follower of Jesus, who was not baptized. You had a group of people that were investigating the faith. And these people were called catechumen. And, and so then these catechumen were learning about what the Christian faith was all about. And then what they were learning was something called, are you ready for this? They were being instructed in something called the catechism. Now, some of you may be familiar with that term, especially if you grow up in the area like we are here in Southern Manitoba. But so the catechism is something that these catechumen were being instructed in. And then after going through the catechism, they were given the option to state whether they believed or not. And those who said, yes, I believe this truth, this catechism, this teaching, they were then baptized upon their confession of faith. That was the practice. And so baptism served as, as the starting place of the Christian walk, not something to attain to, not something that people had to wait to be ready for. If you right now are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you need to know that your step in your journey is to be baptized, to identify with him in that way. But baptism is actually, in fact, also a witness. It's a witnessing opportunity for us. According to Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, baptism is a witness to the saving work of Jesus, to his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And in Romans 6, 1 through 4, we read it already, but here's what it says. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so in baptism, we identify with Jesus's burial and his resurrection. And when we see a new believer walk into the water, go under the water, be sprinkled by the water, and come forward from the water, we are seeing what Jesus did to save a life. Baptism is a dramatic representation of Christ's work of salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 says it this way. He says, For what I have received I pass on to you as of first importance. Catch that? And this right here is one of the very first um, dogmatic statements, you could say, of the Christian walk. It's one of the first catechism. And, uh, and so here's what it says. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. In Romans chapter 6, verse 3, it declares that salvation, in salvation, we have been baptized into Christ and into his death. And so baptism symbolizes that as Christ died, was buried, and rose again, so the believer has died, has been buried to self, and now lives this new life in Jesus. Baptism symbolizes that this person is a new creature in Christ. And being a new creature in Christ is reflected even in the term baptism. You see, the term baptism uh, is actually a Greek term, baptizo. And it was commonly used in the first century to describe dipping a cloth into dye, into a vat of dye. And so when this cloth goes into a vat of dye and then comes out of this vat of dye, it looks completely different. It is a different color. Often uh, because of the chemical reactions, there is a different texture. When it went in, 
it was one color. When it came out, it was something different. Being a new creature in Christ means that we, that out of our lives, all of our lives have changed. The way we live out life changes. As believers adopt a Christ-like character, the change becomes evident to those whom we associate with. And so baptism symbolizes that change in the new follower of Jesus. It is also witness to non-believers uh, in the sense that at Gilgal, for example, we're going back into the Old Testament. We're talking about a guy by the name of Joshua. who's was a great commander of God's military. And, and so Joshua set up 12 stones at the Jordan River in Joshua chapter 4, verses 21 to 24. And these stones, they serve as a marker, as a reminder uh, to people of what took place in this space. And what you, let me tell you what took place in this space. The waters of the Jordan River were halted. And as those waters were halted, the Israelites were able to pass through. And what you need to understand about this language of baptism, especially and, and water in the Old Testament, there is this language of passing through, that the waters represent something that we pass through in order to become something else. The, this, the Israelites passed through the waters in the Red Sea to become something different. On one side of the river, on one side of the sea, they were slaves. On the other, they were free. In the Jordan here, uh, they, they were on one side, they were one thing. On the other side, they were conquerors. And so then we receive this change in people. And these stones that, that Joshua sets up served both as a memorial to the saving acts of God and a way to teach subsequent generations about what took place, that God had delivered them. And the same kind of things happened in the lives of people who have yet to experience a saving faith. The new believers ask friends and relatives to come, right? You're asking people to show up and say, hey, this is an important thing in my life. I'd like you to be able to be there. And what's taking place when they come is that they get to hear, and not just hear, but they get to see the gospel message symbolized coming out. You, when you go under the water, you die to sin. When you come out of the water, you were alive and made new in Christ. And this is the gospel message that they get to see and hear in your testimony walking forward. And so there's questions that are going to naturally arise. Maybe there's going to be a child there that will ask, why is that man putting her underwater? Others may wonder about even or even hear for the first time what the significance of baptism actually is. And so the Holy Spirit can use this act of baptism as an initial entry point into the lives of those who don't know Jesus. And so the very act of baptism can serve as a powerful witness to the saving work of Christ and the salvation experience of the believer. And so my encouragement to you would be this, if you are considering baptism, which I think you really need to, because it is a command, invite your non-believing friends and family members so that they can bear witness to what's taking place and hear the gospel, maybe in a way that they've never heard it before. So what does this mean for believers? Well, the rite of baptism is designed for believers who have repented from their sin and have put their faith in God and in Christ. And so the model demonstrated in John's baptism displayed a personal conviction and understanding for the need of cleansing and repentance to sin. And so baptism is an essential part of Christian discipleship is something that we can say. The support for that statement is, that, is the link that Christ makes between discipleship and baptism in the last chapters of Matthew and Mark. The two verses in the Gospels referring to baptism, Matthew 28, 19, and Mark 16, verses 15 to 16, 
are given as part of the command of the Great Commission. And so in Mark's record of the Great Commission, Jesus says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. And listen, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so even right there, it's telling you, baptism is not necessary for salvation. The belief is, but those who believe and are baptized will be saved. Baptism was intrinsically part of the Christian journey. So theologically, water baptism presupposes the spiritual rebirth as a primary work of God in and through the person of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, when we're baptizing somebody, there is an understanding that the Holy Spirit has already done a work in their life. John the Baptist said that the one who will come would baptize with the Spirit. And so from a logical and chronological perspective, the Spirit regenerates the heart of the believer first, making them born again. And then from that comes a desire for repentance and faith in the work of Jesus with water baptism to follow. This is the process of the New Testament. And so this in turn puts water baptism in its proper perspective. It is not something that we attain to. It is something that we walk through as an initial part of our faith journey. And baptism matters in your relationship to God. It tells the Lord that you love him and you're willing to obey him. In some cultures, listen to this, in some cultures, you can say that you believe Christ and that you may be, and you may be ridiculed and you might even be ostracized. But there are other cultures that if you are baptized, you are marked for death. It is a big deal that even the outside world, outside of Christianity, considers significant. And although we don't face this in our North American culture, your baptism should be saying, Lord, I am willing to forsake everything, even my life, for you, to follow you. So it matters in your relationship with the Lord, but it also matters just even to you. It is your public testimony of your faith in Christ. And it pictures that you are totally identified with him in his death, burial, and resurrection, and that he has washed you from your sins. And so you get to celebrate that with others. And it symbolizes your, your separation from the world and your union with Christ. And so if you think of it this way, before you enter into the waters of baptism, you're aligned with the world in terms of symbolically. You go into the waters of baptism and you die to self and you, you are identifying with the death of Jesus. And when you come out of the waters, you're identifying with the resurrection of Jesus and this new life that you have that is completely sold out for him. And so you are moving from the world towards Jesus through the baptismal waters that are symbolic of what's taking place internally within you in terms of that spiritual work that's being done. It symbolizes your separation from the world and your union with Christ. Now later, I'm just gonna tell you, you might be tempted in a variety of ways and you might be tempted to go back to the world. You may find that your love for Jesus might wane a little bit. But the beauty in what we have in these baptismal waters is very similar to what Joshua did with these stones. There's an anchor point that we can look back to and say, hang on a second, this thing that I did symbolized what Jesus did for me and I know that I can go back to him because I know that he loves me. And I know that we will be okay. You can turn back to your baptism and say, I knew then the reality of Christ. I can go back to him again and he will welcome me because I belong to him. So I'll end with this. The most important question from this message today 
is this. Have you truly repented of your sins and trusted Christ alone for your salvation from God's judgment? And if not, why not? Why not? What's the hurdle? What prevents you? And if you are here and taking this in today, if you are a person that, that is a believer and you're not baptized, what's the delay? What's the hurdle? Why not? My challenge to you would be this. Be baptized as a public confession that you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Now, let me offer this uh, invitation to you as well. This is unplanned, so I'm just going to do this. If you take this in today, whatever day of the week it is, I don't care. I have a pool in my backyard. You message me and we will baptize you, period. That is our offer to you. If you want to identify with Jesus Christ, if you want to identify with his death, burial, resurrection through the waters of baptism, and you want to say, I am a person who belongs to Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. And you want to get baptized? Contact me and we will baptize you very, very quickly. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you so much for our time together. And I pray, Jesus, that as people who have a strong desire to obey you and be committed to you, Lord, that you would give us an even greater desire to do that publicly. And so, Lord God, for any of those out there that haven't accepted you, then pray, Jesus. I pray that they will come to a knowledge of who you are so that they can come to a faith in you that you would restore them to something that they never knew they could be. Lord, that you would make them a new creation, that the old is gone, the new has come, that the old no longer anchors them in the past, but the new projects them forward. And Jesus, for those people who, who have never been baptized, but they've considered themselves followers of you, then Jesus, I pray that you will impress upon them the need for us to follow through on this act of obedience in celebration of what you have done for us. In your holy and precious name I pray, amen.